Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about it, i tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? Um, so to get really specific about the the person that you are addressing. So who is that? What, what, what's the language that they use? Um, how is their everyday looking like? Um, what are their struggles? What are their fears and things like that? Um, and then how does your product or your service address that specific solution and when you get really specific about that you're basically automatically different so the 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 differentiator is a is a consequence of these of this thinking everything is about communication 30 years ago my office was upgraded with the new cat5 networking cables and there were some problems the engineer who was there to sort it out said to me Every aspect of life is down to comms in the end, and he was not wrong. Almost every good outcome or problem in the world resolves or revolves around good or bad communication. And as I discovered a few weeks back in a singing workshop with Dr. Kathy Bullock, she said words have power. And she spent 30 years exploring the stories of slavery and how they express their hope for a better life through music. You can find out more about that shortcast. It's called Singing for Hope. Because words do have power, and when we communicate with words that inspire and can express them with passion and emotion, that is when we see real change about us. Our interview is about the power of communication, and our guest on the show is a master on the subject. It is his mission to help leaders across the globe find the right words and make a bigger impact. Dr. Michael Gerhartz was born near Cologne in Germany. His first passion was music, and to some degree it chose him. As a child, he would make music with everything. The guitar became his instrument of choice, and as he progressed through education, he studied classical music. On leaving high school and moving into higher education, a decision had to be made. Music or follow his second love of computer science. It was the 90s, a time of unlimited opportunity in the field of computers. After his degree, he became a researcher and a programmer and went on to get a PhD in communication systems. He had arrived in the computer industry just as the internet was becoming a thing. And he was there at the birthplace of mobile phones and networks and was very active in the field. 
Throughout his work and in research, he became aware of how many brilliant ideas or projects failed because of the inability to communicate and use words well. It was that realisation that has led to a whole new career as an author and a communications coach. Our conversation is about his journey through music and computers. It's about the common threads that, un that unite them all. Michael started his exploration of communication with the Daily Blog, which now has over 800 posts. He's the author of the book Leaders Light the Path, and he's the host of the Irresistible Communicator podcast. Let's join the conversation with Dr. Michael Gehertz. So, Michael, thank you so much for being here with me today. This is life, passion and business, and it's all about that journey, the journey that we do on this life that hopefully it's good for us. And, you know, we have that journey to, to consider. So where did it all start for you? Well, it started when I was born in 75. Um, when well, world were you born then? I was born close to Cologne, where, where I still live. Um, <clears throat> and I had a very pleasant childhood, I'd say. Um, I grew up... Um, wanting to become a musician, a famous musician at first, then a great musician later on, um, which is not always the same thing, um, but switched lanes to actually study computer science, um, which led me to a path where I ended up in lots of meetings at lots of conferences with many brilliant people, but feeling totally frustrated about so many great ideas being thrown into a trash bin because they well, weren't communicated properly. Let's head back there rather than jump forward all those years because it's a, sure. I'm always, I'm always ex, ex, interested in that journey because there's obviously a transition there. Music was your great, your first love. Mm -hmm. And so there must have been some passion in there somewhere. So what was driving you to, to explore music? Um, I never really thought about what was the driving force. Um, if, <clears throat> if there's anything close in my life that, 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 um, will come close to having chosen me rather than me having chosen that thing, then that would have been music probably. And I can re remember that from, from even, even before the time that I remember looking back at photographs of, of me as a little child, I was kind <clears throat> of taking every instrument that, that I was seeing somewhere, drum, um, 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 mm. using drums or um, picking up, um, guitars even if the if the strings were missing um and so i i just felt naturally drawn to these people uh, to these things and then when i get, got to school i started taking lessons as everyone in my age did back then um first it was the the the, 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 the wooden flute and then i changed uh, quickly to guitar so i learned first of all the acoustic guitar um playing a lot of classical pieces but then later on as a teenager switched to the electric guitar Nice. So, so what made you leave that behind and take up the world of computers? Um, in part, that was due to the place that I lived in, um, because it was at a certain point. I, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have two very, I consider, brilliant teachers, um, um, who complemented each other very well um, from the from their perspectives um, of how they looked at music and what they could uh, could teach me. Um, but at some point, both of them said that um, they felt that I've transitioned them, that I need to, to go further. Um, but the problem was that 
to go further, I needed to travel um, uh, an hour or more one way to get to uh, to more sort of sophisticated teachers. Mm. And that was at a time where that wasn't easy for me and where it didn't really fit into my life. I was close to finishing um, finishing high school or the equivalent of high school in Germany um, back then. And, and so, um, well, I decided to go for my other passion, which was kind of in the more theoretical domain. Um, first, I thought it would be, would be physics, but then it turned out to be computer science. Um, and looking back, I never think that never even once thought that was a bad decision because, well, I still have that passion within me. I still enjoy playing the guitar almost um, every day. Um, and it's a very, it's, it's a great balance uh, in my life. Actually, it, it provides me a place where I get to enjoy just creating without having to prove anything or deliver anything and just getting to enjoy the thing that I that I do there and um, it also help it also opens me up to um, enjoying music on an on a different level than I used to for example as a teenager because well I can understand much more deeply what what what's happening there why that piece is moving me on an emotional level or why why it is cleverly arranged or or brilliantly perform um, and really enjoy these things, not only just just through the noise that's coming to my head, but also on an intellectual level. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, would you say in Germany there's a, a, cultural, a cultural pressure to move you away from, say, the, that kind of arts type career? No, I... To um, I mean, there there might be there, there might be circles in the society where where your parents <clears throat> wouldn't have liked it if you told them that you were pursuing the career of a musician, but I don't think that that was the issue in in my case. Hmm. So, um, and and as I said, um, the the path that I chose. I mean, sometimes it's not that you're. Um, that you have to have to make a sacrifice, and in my, and in my case, it absolutely didn't feel that way. It was not a sacrifice. It was choosing between two paths um, that I've equally found satisfying. And um, the, the one that I chose mm. turned out to be a great one, actually. Mm. And, and you know, it's, it, it does sound like it's a nice balance because obviously the computer side is very, very precise. But music is precise as well in a different way. It's interesting. There's it can a be. There's a precision in both of them. Yeah. And someone pointed out to me, like, you know, in an exam, you, you, you can, in any exam, you can get 90% and still get an A. If you're playing a piece of music, you can't get 90%. You've got to get 100%. You can't make a wrong note in music. Um, <laughs> not sure I'd fully agree with this. Oh, that's good. Um, um, let me throw... There's a precision a in music required to perform at a certain level. I, 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 I get the point. It, it might be more relevant to classical music, maybe. But let me throw a quote <clears throat> by oh, Miles yes. Davis... Let me uh, throw a quote by Miles Davis at you, um, who once said that when you hit a wrong note, it's the next one that makes it good or bad. Ah, oh, yes, of course. In jazz, it would do that, wouldn't it? Um, exactly. And it's exactly those wrong notes um, that make, or that 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 notes that your intuition would, would 
at first sight declare as a wrong node. It's exactly those nodes that lead you to interesting places. And there's in fact another quote by um, a very famous um, <clears throat> jazz bassist, uh, Victor Wooten, um, who says that um, it's actually it's the wrongness that gets you the attention. If you're only playing right notes, if you're only ever playing the right notes, you're gonna end up with nice tunes, with something that your ear finds pleasant and that you might even enjoy. But then fill just one wrong note in there and your ear will immediately go, whoa, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And then it's the next note that decides whether it takes you to a meaningful place or whether that's just been a mistake and, well, we'd better go back to normal. Yeah, it is fascinating that 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 thing about music, and we we look at it as a as as a precision thing, and as you say, in classical, it's probably more important than any other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. So you followed the career into into computer science. I did, um, and I enjoyed it, and I loved it actually. Um, it it was back at the time when the new so I started to study when the economy uh, uh, th that new economy bubble was just in in uh, at its height um and then quickly quickly burst so um it but it was still exciting times it was when when well that that first wave of of really breakthrough the inventions. start of the internet sort of thing yeah a little bit later but but when the internet sort of um, cross the boundary into the public domain, I'd say, mm. into having a cultural impact. And that was fascinating times. And I was actually going into that that domain of com communication systems. So how do, how do these things actually work? And uh, what could be the road ahead? Um, and I went then into mobile communications, sort of the next thing that, 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 that um, became a cultural thing. Um, and, um, did did some some very interesting um research things there into how we can use our mobile phones without being dependent on mobile phone operators um which is now in a way um the basis upon which some some home technologies are built which are called ad hoc networks but then well i i at some point i i felt that i was once again at a crossroads where i needed to to decide whether I would stay on track in 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 doing in, in being a researcher and 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 um and um, doing I mean, these more theoretical I, things. I'm intrigued as a researcher. I'm my natural curiosity comes in here. So as a re researcher in this field, is this a programming function or is this actually a a more physical electronics function? Um, no, we were we, we weren't doing. So I wasn't involved in, in actually building things um, that that you could touch. I was making use of the things that others okay. built. So, so more on the programming um, side, uh, or or conceptual side, algorithmic side. So how how can you cleverly build a protocol that works um, without a mobile operator, without a mobile network that that someone operates, um, and that has that is very constrained in bandwidth and battery. And how can you still make that work and 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 make meaningful data data communication um, over those? I, I, my head is trying to understand what that looks like. Is that working with maths? Is that what is that? What is that? Is that using mathematical functions? Is that is that some sort of I can't get my head around the words I'm looking for here. What is what is that process? Um, 
it, that that that's sort of the interesting aspect of that. That that's it. That it's a mixture of of a couple of of skills that you'd need. Um, of course, you need to to be a good programmer to actually write the the, the uh, implement those and be able to test them. Uh, in our mm. case, it was often um, by programming simulations that that would what would simulate a certain situation and look what happens if we modify this or that. Things that you can't easily try out mm. um, in the field um, because you would would just disrupt service or disrupt mm. um, any any meaningful communication there. Um, then it's a lot of conceptual work um, that that in a way feels a bit like architecture because you're design actually designing architect an architecture of 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 how that network could be built and how protocols in that network um, could work. Um, but then of course it's also maths. And in my in my case it was quite a bit of maths because um, the protocols that we looked into were relying heavily on statistics and and monitoring what's happening around me in the in the immediate neighborhood of my own device. Um, and then you'd you'd make you'd try to make kind of informed guesses as to based upon what you observe, what your neighbors are doing, um, how likely is it that a connection will still be present in, let's say, five seconds or so, so that it makes actually sense to build a connection to that device. And that involves some 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 um, um, some sophisticated mathematics, not in the sense that, that that's well, very far off, but um, at least it's not something that you'd normally learn in school. So was this for a university or for a company? Um, in a way, it was both. So I, I did my PhD on those things, uh, working at the university, but we're, we were working on projects that were um, at times funded by um, by like um, national or even EU funded mm. um, projects. But usually that there was also um, companies involved <clears throat> there. And we did also projects um, specifically for those companies. Mm. So it must have been quite an exciting time to be involved in that. It was. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was the 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 thing that um, on a technology front was kind of the news, right? It was on the newspapers. Everyone was speaking about mobile phones, the internet, and what that would would enable. It was kind of what what AI is today. That was mobile communication back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you out of bed in the morning, quite excited to get on with the day. Yeah, exactly. So where did it go from there? As you said, you had you came to a point where you were doing a lot of meetings. Yeah, um, I mean, what I what I um sketched um, or hinted at earlier was that well, the although it was a very satisfying work that I did there, and we 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 I think we made some very significant um findings there, and we 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 made a made even some meaningful contributions to this to the to the scientific domain there the one thing that always bothered me and that that kept on frustrating me was how many good ideas would have been capable of doing of making an impact of of making that contribution um if only they were communicated properly and i have seen so many brilliant people fail at getting any interest in their brilliance because they're presentations were so confusing because they couldn't couldn't meaningfully structure their their uh, their science papers um and so i always thought that well that was kind of frustrating right that that you put so much effort in there so much passion in there and then it leads 
nowhere or not at, at least to a place where it actually would deserve to be. Um, so I started looking left and right and looking at started to read blogs about how to present better, started to read books about how to communicate um, better and how to how to actually get your message across to people that are not as expert in that field as you are. Um, and then I started writing about the things that I learned. And that's sort of how I uh, how I first of all got, got off track of that researcher's path and but but through that that explorations found my new track of becoming actually communications coach hmm. and it's such a common uh, well i i can remember years ago in a company i worked in at the time and we were having the whole place rewired for for networking and uh one of the managers there of, of this company doing the networking process, he said to me, what you have to remember is everything is comms. Everything. Every aspect of life is about communication. Yeah. And these wires are just another aspect of it. And it was like, it was yeah. such a profound thing that he said, really. You know, every problem in the world you can put down to a lack of or an, in, you know, an incompatibility in communication somewhere. Absolutely. Um, so it, it is vital and fascinating work. And this is, so you're, when you say you're a communications coach, does this like in, in terms of the, the verbal process of communication presenting like, like this? Um, yeah, the, 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 the way that I like to put it is that I help you find the right words. Um, uh, of course, um, that involves usually other aspects. Um, but then again, it often, in my experience follows, right? If you, if you've, if you find words that you truly believe in about the things that you deeply care about, um, your body and your voice tends to want to do the right thing. And then it's mostly about en That's enhancing and amplifying those mm. things. Because that is interesting because there's a lot of um, politically use of words is a manipulation. They kind of use words in a way to elicit a response they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um and that's kind of not direct communication. That's correcting. That's delivering a message, not necessarily delivering what. It's a hard to me. That's a difficult thing. It's a boundary I mean, thing. It, yeah, it's maybe not not as black and white as that. I mean, it could mean that that you're still believing what you in in what you're doing there because you're ultimately trying to sort of serve your cause, whatever that is. Um, and you might feel like the thing that you have to do in order to sort of advance your cause is to use that these kinds of manipulative words. Mm. Um, but that's probably not always the case. I, maybe not even most of the time. You know, political um, speech writing is writer's skill, isn't it? And and, yet, and there are very famous political speech writers that, that yeah. get people elected. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and, and then what happens is that, well, you 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 make your game a lot harder <clears throat> in 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 convincing people of your position in in uh, because well you have to sort of counteract to what your body wants to do there right because yes when, when you don't believe in the things that you say there um we have all those at parts learned at parts just just intuitively happening things um that that we 
that, that then some body language coach will tell us to avoid or to do differently, um, which only increases stress. And um, because this is, this is another aspect that we have to pay attention to while speaking, to do the right thing with our hands, to use the right articulation um, and stuff. And these are the things that contribute to our audiences sort of feeling that there might be something that's at least slightly off though they might not be as expert to be able to actually pinpoint what's exactly off, but there is that slight sense of there might be, they might be not 100% honest there. It's, it's amazing. I'm surprised there's not much, there's not more analysts of anal analytical in the, you know, of, of speeches in the media. You'd think they would be, wouldn't you, in respect? Because I know, we all know when we look at, when we watch a sp someone speaking, we always he meant that <sighs> he didn't mean that and we don't know why we know those things and yet you think there'd be more professional analyst of that you think people wouldn't get about get away with it wouldn't you really yeah true you know, i used to do toastmasters and i used to see people get up and speak and it's like and they go you didn't that you didn't connect with that speech at all it just yeah um that's true. I mean, on the other hand, um, particularly, I mean, you mentioned elections when, when it's election time, um, we tend to, to see those analysts showing up in, in, in mm. the media. Um, but of course that's often, well, it's, it's usually a quick response. So it's not always well grounded or deeply analyzed. Um, and it's much more, more, I mean, the, the the media's interest is not so much to to discover the truth here, but to to find some some attention grabbing mm. statements there, right? So, um, and yeah, I mean, the, the the best thing that 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 you that you could do for yourself probably here is to to pay attention to those feelings, um, to when when you sense that well, I'm not one hundred percent sure here, or something feels weird here. Um, then where is that feeling coming from? So what, what exactly in the way that he makes his pauses or that he uses gestures, what exactly is it that irritates me? Um, and then, then probably you can, can, so we all can learn to get better at that. Is this what you teach people? Is you, is you present, is it present, is it, do you do it face to face or over zoom or how do you do this process? How do you? I do both. Um, yeah. um, I mean, for, for my national clients, it's, it's, uh, it's usually face to face, but international mm -hmm. clients will be zoom mostly. Um, um, so we tend to start working way earlier. We, st we tend to start by making sure that you find the words that you truly believe in, mm. because when that happens, um, then you don't have to, to counteract what your body does. You don't have to kind of make your audience believe that you'd be more confident than you actually are, or that you, um, that you, um, appear in a certain way when actually you, you don't feel that way at all. Um, um, so to make sure that you actually find the words that, you truly believe in. And the interesting bit of that is that it often turns out that you find those words at the moment, or you start seeing those words, the moment you, you switch your perspective from yourself, from what's the point that I'm trying to get across to who am I speaking here to anyway? Um, so why are they listening to me? Why are they investing 60 minutes of their life 
to listening to me. So, so how can I resonate to them? And then mm. it's not so much about persuading them anymore of my point, but resonating them or finding the common ground and resonating with what matters to ideally both of us. Right. So <clears throat> I, I'm reaching here. This is, this is interesting. I'm reaching what's occurred to me to ask you, do you see the connection between your now becoming up now being a speaking coach effectively and your music because um, your music is about expressing the invisible and getting people to speak is on some level the same it is um absolutely and the and the one thing that connects those two two worlds might be that that in order to become great at any of those two crafts or arts, however you, you'd like to put it, um, you need to be a great listener. Um, like Pat Metheny, one another famous jazz musician, probably um, what, one of the greatest guitarists um, currently alive. Um, he, he likes to say that the best players are, are the best musicians are not the best players, but the best listeners. Um, because um, if you're not, you're not going to be able to craft a meaningful piece together as a band. Uh, you're not going to be able to resonate with with your audience, with what 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 they appreciate, and you're not not going to be able to sort of adjust adjust that that those subtleties to actually find that perfect sweet spot where where. It not only feels right, but your brain would agree that it is also right. Not mm. nice. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I I hadn't seen that connection before, and I'm now thinking about it. Is that that you know, that idea of presentation is about connecting to the soul on some level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in both cases, ideally. I mean. Probably one aspect that, that that keeps us from seeing that connection is that um, when it's about presentation or communication in general, we tend to see it mostly as a transaction, right? As a transaction of information from my brain to your brain. Um, but there's but a difference we, there. There's a difference there because it depends on what what's at stake here. Exactly. And if what I'm just care, trying to get yeah. If I'm just trying to get someone to, to reduce my gas bill, then there's a different conversation going on. You know, if I'm trying to negotiate something, that's a different conversation, isn't it? Exactly. And and that that's the, that's the, the the point that we often miss in, in in presentations or communication in general. That well, it's it's the point is rarely to get the information across um, because that that's often an easy task to solve and it's only become becoming easier by the day because you can always ask AI to make it clearer. Um, here, here's what I want to try to get across, make it as clear as possible. And then you just have to send that over. So the, 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 so what I'm actually trying to, to the, the reason why I'm actually going through the hassle of preparing a talk of preparing that pitch in the meeting or of, of going into the conversation is because I want to change something, right? I want want to affect something. I want to spark enthusiasm. I want to to raise caution, um, or whatever it is. Um, I want to to affect some level of change in my audience. 
and and for that i need to somehow touch them and i need to somehow somehow reach them and resonate with them and that where where those that's where those things connect that that's that's home base for musicians that that's what's music what music is all about touching my audience moving them and reaching and that's what entrepreneurship is to me entrepreneurship is 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 the the entrepreneur has the capacity to encapsulate their vision and share it with others so that they actually want to make that vision happen as well exactly yeah exactly they're in, they are much more in the inspiration business than in the analytics yeah. business or something like they that. are yeah. aren't they 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 and it's like, it's because you've got to bring everybody with you and i think the same applies to leadership best the good yeah. leaders are great communicators yeah exactly and, and 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 then that connection comes back again i mean i'm totally glad that you brought that up because um here's another mistake that that's easy to make that 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 it would be about convincing the team that it's that your vision is is the way to go and it might be the case that it that that, that turns out but it's often that that um that it's much less about you but but about the impact that you as a team can make that and to tap into the brilliance of kind of everyone on the team not it, it's not that you might that that you're kind of the 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 leader who 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 says that who 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 has to make the final call on this this is our way this is our path this is the, the this is the vision but to tap into the brilliance of everyone on your team and have them co-create that vision and have them have their fair share in 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 that vision so that they have the stakes in that vision and feel even more motivated to go that way to to mm. take the route to that vision mm -hmm. it's so easy to say that and then really really hard to make that happen yeah yeah and i think places that had that in the, in the beginning facebook had that in the beginning when you talk to people who are early involved in facebook they talk about being an exciting place of of, of change and and vibrance mm -hmm. You don't hear them. You don't hear that quite so often from about Meta. You know, uh, when you talk to me, we talk to people in in these early 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 phases of things. Sometimes they are the best times. Yeah, I mean, there's that there's that excitement mm. often going in there. That that, that mm. willingness to contribute more than you could sustainably. Yeah, one of our guests in the last few like weeks. Yeah, one of our guests yeah. last few weeks. He was employee number one hundred and ten in 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 SpaceX. It was yeah. an amazing time to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is. I mean, we we're going to explore a little bit more of this at, uh, in, later in our conversation. So let's let's get to my question so that we can get the, those things through. Because it's like, what is success to you? How has that changed over time? And what does it mean to you? What's your definition of success for you? For me personally, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say that. Ultimately, it's getting to decide how to spend your time. Mm. To to be in control and to to freely decide on what am I going to spend my time today, this week, this year. How, how did that change? Because that wouldn't you wouldn't always have had that model. I mean, there would have been a time when success would have been more material or more. It's, in your work or something, there would have been some goal you were looking to reach. What brought you to that that 
realization that that wasn't always the best solution for success? Um, sure. I mean, the, the, there's certainly been a lot of transition in that. <clears throat> so if I think back at my teenage years, success <clears throat> would have probably been to be number one on the billboard charts. Um, of course, when we're young, when we're growing, there's an acquisition yeah. stage. And so success is all about that acquisition, isn't it? So. Yeah. And at one point was to, well, graduate um, with a great, with a good, mm. good uh, grade. Um, and then at some point it might have been, it probably was to become a professor or something in, in, in my domain. Um, but I think, so let, digging a bit deeper into what might have contributed to actually arriving at that at that definition is i mean first of all it's not it, that that doesn't mean that it's totally immaterial right because in order to be able to freely decide how to spend your time um you have to have the resources to do that so if if you don't have enough money to to be able to that to do that well it's it's um probably um going to be a lot harder to do that um, so there is certainly a material side to that, um, but probably what contributed there, there were a couple of things. I mean, obviously my family, um, which um, um, which is something that that money can buy and that that titles can buy, uh, and and um, getting to spend the time with 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 my wife or my children, um, even if it's not um, all of my time or even most of my time, um, but but being free to choose to for example go on to vacation next week um is something that that has a lot of value to me um but of course of course also exposing and immersing myself in a lot of the thinking that other people in my in my domain or even other brilliant people um do and how they look back at their life and what they value the most it feels like the common theme is not to not that you would have to have seen this place or that or that you have to own this car or that um or that you have to have the newest phone each year or something like that but it is that you are free to choose what that is for you and also be free to decide that this year it's a different thing than past than the past year hmm hmm yeah interesting it's that everyone has to make their own decision around success um and what i notice is that the people who are freest are the ones that don't that see goals as goals and success as something separate it's like yeah i'm, I'm moving towards that goal um but yeah that, that's whether, whether the goal fails or not it's still successful yeah, true, and and this is something that that you also would find c common among a lot of those people who who consider themselves successful and probably also happy at the same time. That it's not the, the, the that that they reach this goal or that, but that their that their happiness and their their level or feeling satisfied with what what they are achieved have achieved in their life is kind of independent of of those things. That that they. That even if they'd miss this goal or that, that there's other things that that success is not an external, not an external measurement. Exactly. That's the that's the key thing to it, really. For exactly. It. Yeah. So, how do you define contribution? Your contribution to the world. Well, the the most 
visible contribution is certainly my writing. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I write a daily blog on the art of communicating, um, where I share my view on on this thing. Um, daily is amazing. I, to do that daily is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's week daily, so I, I spare the weekends. But still, yeah, it's five five times. Still, it's still a big commitment to write something like every single day. Five times a week, and it it's it's not always easy, but it it it's also satisfying in a way that well it's kind of the, a constant force that helps me into exploring deeper this field and, and going going deeper and the marketing me and set the marketer in me says after a year you've got yourself a book um certainly i mean i've written a book um but you've got a book fine. you've got a, you've got a book each year you're churning out a book <laughs> yeah um yeah the, it, it's a good 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 point um so the difference of a book compared to 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 a blog post is that it kind of capsulates yeah a certain idea and explores that in much greater detail and there's certainly a couple of theme themes that, that I write repeatedly about even frequently um that that would would qualify as such such kind of a, a central idea that I could could explore deeper, and it might happen. I mean, yes, but um, that's that's how you start. The first advice to anybody who wants to write a book is write a daily blog, and then when you at the end of the year, pick all those blogs together, and then you just do the sorting process, and you know where you you're going to go. You've got exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all right, that is that's your sense of contribution to the world. That's that clearly your your work contributes to the world because you help people communicate. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sure you've got some people that wouldn't be where they are without the support and help that you've given them. So that's clearly where you contribute. What about contribution to yourself? Um, How does Michael look after Michael? That's a good point. Um, and I think I made an early discovery here about how important that is, um, which was in the final stages of my master's thesis, um, where we, where we um, as a work group and myself as the one who had to do the work and faced quite a bit of struggles because that was actually an industry related project that, that I did my master's thesis on. And the relationship didn't work out quite as well as we hoped it would, uh, which caused a lot of stress at the end because well i was ambitious enough in my work groups and my mentors back then uh, also um, ambitious enough to drive me to well get get to a very good result there um which meant that i felt the need to work through for i'm not entirely sure what was it six or even eight weeks um seven days of work a, a week um basically from the moment i woke up to the moment i i went to bed and I remember the, uh, the 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 day when I um, handed over the final um, script of of the master's thesis, and I went home, and I stood in my mother's kitchen, and I literally collapsed there. So I just had to sit down on the floor, and I was so exhausted. And at that moment, I realized that this is not a sustainable thing to do. That um, that you you. Con continuously work under that pressure and with that amount of workload that that is having a toll on your health um which was 
actually it was kind of the, the the fancy thing to do back then at at, at at the university at least in my domain right um um when um, there there were a lot of projects would that have been the 1980s 1990s early 90s would that have been or late 90s L late 90s early but there was wasn't there and there was a time of there, there was a time in the world where all where everyone at work was crushing it because that was what you did yeah. and, and one symptom in our work group was that deadlines used to be monday morning um which gave you the opportunity to, to work, work weekend. the weekend through <laughs> and and to crush it on the final at on the final mile, right? And and that was actually the first thing that I changed when I finally um, got in charge of my first project uh, that I changed the deadlines to Friday afternoon um, because um, it to me it was kind of obvious that that's not sustainable that that's something that heroes journeys are made of that you can brag about and that you're kind of feel proud about um facing these these obstacles and facing these deadlines and making it in the final second i mean how many great movies have made have been made out of that uh, that premise um but also it leads to you believing in your ideas way more than they would deserve because the the ideas that you get under this level under this level of stress are often first ideas and first ideas are often not the best ideas and and so um i tend to think uh, tend to, to even today I, I would would argue that um if you can't manage and organize your time in a way that you have those ideas until friday afternoon um then you're probably less organized than you should be and um then you have bigger problems than working the weekend through and of course it can always happen that you don't make it and then you still can 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 ask for that extension but that shouldn't be the default mm, interesting um so what did you put in place for yourself to look after yourself what do you do um, what do you do now to look after yourself yeah i i mean i still try to it it doesn't always work out that way but i still try to um leave my weekends free um so that i have that time to recover i i do not read mails after eight o'clock um and things like that i i um play the guitar regularly um as kind of a me time um i try to get out to for at least for a walk if not for a run um either alone or with my friends um so that so that there's um enough of kind of a balance hmm yeah i mean everyone has to find their own path i mean i i've discovered to my own cost that without a daily process or a daily rhythm which is there for me um my life goes in the wrong direction and you know, I, and i find my mental health is on a spiral and it either goes up or it goes down, and and I can easily start going into the going down if I don't Absolutely. look after myself. You know, it's, it's like, and I think we're all on that spiral. And it and it happens gradually. And first of all, you don't notice it, even you're even proud of it of to 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 make it through regardless, and that that you're you're brilliant enough or smart enough to navigate those things, um, and and so you end up dealing with the symptoms rather than correcting the cost we don't right? talk about this stuff enough that's the problem and exactly. and also the world is so full of negativity the media is so negative biased it's let's so let's put it that way it's it's 
that that part might be true that the media is full of it but we can probably speak for the world, world at large here well it's a, no i i agree we can't i mean the the material that we get reported or we get told about is that it's predominantly the negative and for yeah. some reason the human psyche likes that we 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 gravitate towards it. Yeah, that, that's another thing that I actually decided to do. So I decided that I won't spend my time watching brutal movies um, 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 or overly dystopian movies. Um, that, um, but mostly it's about how brutal they are. So, so if they, if if they, if the director feels or the screenwriter re- feels like they would have to expose me to to a lot of blood and brutality to make their point, um, it's usually not the movie for me. Hmm. Hmm. And that's a fair point. It's a very fair point. Um, yeah, I, I, I can understand going there. And yeah, I can understand going there. And my son's a big Marvel, Marvel fan. So that's kind of where we are. <laughs> we are yeah, in the Marvel. Is, Marvel we, we are is, in the, is an we, interesting. We are in the MC. There. We are in the universe, MCS universe. Yeah. So we don't. Yeah. Kind of, it's, it, it's kind of an interesting middle ground here, is it? So no, it's it? violent. Um, <laughs> um, it, 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 it's violent. It's not, it's not bloody, but it's violent. It's, it's, uh, totally violent and and but it's it's in a way violent that it's become the norm so that that's kind of the baseline that we we speak about today i grew up with the um, 18 where guns are fired all the place and no one got shot yeah um so and that baseline feels like it's shifting gradually um yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not so sure whether that's that's a good thing I don't know. Mm, indeed so i mean great to hear you've got uh, you've got some processes going on there and you're, and you're conscious of it so Oh my this this question is always an interesting one why do you do it all what's the meaning of it all i mean in some level this is god no god but it doesn't have to be what's the meaning why do you get out of bed in the morning to do what you do i'm not so sure whether i ask, even ask myself that question um whether that question even matters so much to me i tend to think about it that way that um it's a fact that I woke up, right? Um, so, and I can just as well decide to do something with it. And I think, I tend to think that a good way to deal with that situation is to to try to have some kind of positive impact in my immediate circle of influence and to, to try to, to help to share the things that I see and that I believe to have the potential of doing something good, while you might sh- might have another definition of what that what that means. Um, that, so so to share the things that I see of having the potential of doing something good, and 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 to share it with you. Hmm. Do you have a, a wider view about what humanity is for? Why we're here? I don't think so. As I, as I said, I'm not sure whether that, that question means a lot to me. Um, mm. I mean, I, mean I, I, I recognize that it, it means a lot to others, um, but I tend to look at it, well, we are here. So let's just face that and let's just deal with that and let's make something out of it. And I mean, we could decide to decide to destroy the thing that we that we have here, or we could decide to well, improve the thing and i've for for me that 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 choice is rather obvious 
Um, and it probably is for a lot of people, although we come to different conclusions about what, what that means. Um, I mean, your thing is communication. Your big thing is communication. So it's like, and so what does that mean to you? Why is it such a big thing for you? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you said it earlier that that communication is kind of at the heart of it, of mm-hmm. of our society. I mean, we're, we're social beings. Uh, we're not like, for example, bees or so who just do their thing and, and are kind of pre-programmed, um, although they, they do communicate too. Um uh, um, and it improves their 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 chances of survival. So we are deeply social beings, and um, mo- most of that, and most of the the change that happens is in one way or another um, related to how we communicate with each other. Uh, and we can choose how to make an impact through the words that we use. Um, we can we can choose to be blunt or we can choose to be polite. We can choose to be, um, um, to just um, delegate the task of figuring out what we mean to our audiences, or we can choose to take over that task and make that work for them so that it's as clear as possible for them. Um, And so um, as I look at communication, um, I try to see, I I tend to see it as a way of helping others or of enabling me to, to make others see what I see um, and to, to let them into my thinking. Um, And then, then if, if I'm, if I'm able to show them something that they find compelling, I can confidently leave the decision whether to agree with me or not, not, not to them, mm. because I've made my, my made my point as clearly as possible from my point of view, and um, helping others on that journey to arrive at this, at, at that that capacity of making their case so clearly, finding words that that make others see what they see so clearly that they can confidently leave the the decision to agree or not to their audiences that's kind of what how i see the value in good communication that's a nice phrasing thank you for that it's a i think you've just given me the um the, the header piece for the podcast thank you for that so moving us to what you do in the world now so how do you do i mean I, I know what you do it's a coaching process but do you want to say more about that so for, for anyone that's interested in what you do um yeah so I mostly work for people who deeply care about what they do. And those people tend to be good at what they do. Um, And one of the things those people struggle often with is precisely the fact that they care so much, which leaves them with the trouble of, so how can I even condense that? And how can I spark that same passion that I feel deep inside myself in my audiences? how can I, so how can I get my point across in a way that it's accessible and, and, and creates the tension for others to, to engage in a conversation with me? Um, so typical situations might be that you're about to launch a new product and you think it's the most brilliant thing that you ever did, probably 
one of the most brilliant things that the world ever seen. But somehow when you speak to others about that, you at times get glaring enthusiasm, but at, at other times you just get the blank stare because people don't really got the point, didn't really get the point. Um, and so I, I would try to, uh, to, to um, I would work with you on fi figuring out who, he, who is that exactly for, what matters to them, and how can you find a way to resonate with what matters to them so that you find the words that they can see what you see, that they um, find the same passion as you. Uh, as you have. Or another case might be that you're, for example, a recent um, a client of mine was uh, that, that an industry leader would um, merge with the second in the industry, uh, which is a situation that has the potential of creating a lot of fear, both among customers and among employees. Um, and that fear was exactly what what um, what the leadership of, the, um, of that company um, faced, and they were asking me to work on, on on how to communicate that in a way to um, to um, lighten that fear, because their intention wasn't, in fact, to um, to um, uh, to make any kinds of rationalization. So they they were in fact looking to grow beyond the employeeship, and um, in in fact, it turned out that these two companies were totally complementary. Mm. Um, so there was no reason for fear uh, on the customer side, because in fact, they would just gain more competence from one con from 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 their side. But when they reached out, so they they somehow sensed that the story that they came up with didn't make the cut because but they couldn't really put their finger on it and when we looked at it it turned out so i asked them a simple question um, i asked them to count the number of times they said we in that pitch um and it was an eye-opening number for them um and because they were only considering kind of their perspective and looking at it from from their fears and and trying to bring their point across rather than really walking from um, walking in their audience's shoes so what is what is actually the thing that that our employees want to hear from you or mm -hmm. need to hear from you what is it that your customers are, are really afraid of here and is that is it is that a valid reason and can you can you can you feel that reason? And what do you say to that? And how can you make them? How can you make them feel how 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 that how it um, how that could be beneficial to them? So finding those words that help you help your audience resonate with what you want to say. This is what I do mostly with with uh, with leadership of those of those businesses. Um, could also be entrepreneurs or solopreneurs and at times, um, but people who deeply care about the things that they do, um, but somehow um, can't find the words to 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 make it happen. And then, mm. then I would work with you um, on on where can we find this these these words. Picking up on something you said at the beginning of that, which I think is something that so many people struggle with, and it's the thing you said about who is the speech for, mm -hmm. you know, defining, helping them work out who it's for. And that comes up in so many areas of business. It's about who is my product for, who is yeah. what I do this for. Yeah. Is there any guidance you could give people on a simple way? Or, I mean, this is not simple because if it was, we'd all do it. But is there any guidance you give people on how they could start honing that down? Who who am I speaking to? 
Oh, I mean, the, the first thing to appreciate is that it's never for you, right? Um, it's um, because you already know what you're going to tell. You are a, you are already passionate. You are already a believer. Um, so it's not about you. It's never about you. It's also not about your boss or so um, or your investors um, um, as much as they would like it to be about them. Um, it's always about the the. Um, it's always about the person that I'm speaking to or ideally with. Um, and um, I think a, a rule of thumb that has helped me a lot and that I tend to feel like it helps my clients a lot is probably what I tend to think as of as the only strict rule that we have in communication is that if they didn't get it, they didn't get it end of story um so there really is no point in arguing that you might that you meant it slightly differently or that you mentioned it on slide 13 um they didn't get it and that's all you need to know and and then we can work with that and then you then we can own uh, can own that but, it, but it's been going back before that because that's the presentation it's how do you define who it's for in the first place you know, like, yes, I work with coaches or I work with entrepreneurs they're both very big churches Mm-hmm. That that that's true, um, yeah, and that that's actually that, that gets right at the heart of the matter, right? Um, because we tend to we tend to want to have it to be there for everyone, right? Even even if it's just in in our domain. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that really does. If you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. Yeah, and um, so um, an an important shift happens um, when you. I mean. A common advice that you would hear in, in in speaking classes or or marketing books is that you need to find your differentiator, the point where you're different than others. I tend to look at that slightly differently. I think different being different is not the point, not at all. Um, being different is rather a consequence than than a goal, um, because the point is much more to be specific. Um, to be specific about the the problem that you are solving for a specific person. And the more specific you are, um, the more likely it will be that the solution that you come up with will be slightly different from others. Because if, if it wouldn't, then th 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 why, why wouldn't you even develop that specific solution there, right? Um, so to get really specific about the the person that you are addressing. So who is that? What, what, what's the language that they use? Um, how is their everyday looking like? Um, what are their struggles? What are their fears and things like that? Um, and then how specifically does your product or your service address that specific solution? And when you get really specific about that, you're basically automatically different. So the, the, the differentiator is a, is a consequence of these of this thinking and um what you what you gain by getting that to that level of specificity is that you have a much bigger potential with resonating with what matters to them because you speak their language um you at times press your finger in their wound but you also show them a future of a life without that pain. Mm. Which is, all, they all want the solution to their problems. Michael, it's been fantastic to have this conversation with you. I really enjoyed our, our time together. 
How would people connect with you should they wish to follow this up? Well, the easiest is always to, to, to just head over to my website. It's Michael Gerhardt's G-E-R-H-A-R-Z, one word, michaelgerhardt's.com, where you find all the pointers to the blog, to the podcast, mm -hmm. to the Leaders Light the Past manifesto. Um, and um, of course, you can also find me on, um, on the usual social media, for example. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or just follow me on Instagram and you'll be connected. Lovely. So all those links will be available at the website Life, Passion and Business. Thank you so much, Michael Gertz. It's been a wonder to talk to you today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Dr. Michael Gertz. If you would like to connect with Michael, you can find him at his website, michaelgerhertz.com. And there you'll also find the blog, The Art of Communication. There is the podcast, Irresistible Communication. You also find them on LinkedIn and Instagram. And all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. And while you're there, do check it out. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means. That is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions, ebook and worksheets. Now, this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery. And it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it for me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.